guys can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you for worshiping with us together this morning. I want to say I think our worship band is pretty good. Um, I say that from the unique perspective. A lot of you probably don't know this. I actually was the worship leader here three years ago, and it was less good then. Considerably less good. Um, Man, it's awesome to, to be with you guys this morning. Uh, for those of you who may be new with us and don't know who I am, my name is Brandon, and I'm one of the elders here at The Bridge. And uh, we're going to take our next step in our series, uh, Finding God's Will. And remember, two weeks ago, we started with knowing God. Last week, we talked about finding freedom. And this week, we're going to turn our attention to the concept of discovering calling. Discovering calling, if you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 21 together. John 21, before we get there and while you are turning there, I want to tell you my story. Get us all thinking in the same direction by talking about the time where I attempted to discover God's calling by singing in church, in middle school, sounding like a little girl. True story. So when I was very young, uh, my, my mom and my sister and I, we used to sing together, uh, Southern Gospel Trio style. And uh, I think we started this when I was maybe in the third grade, so I had a very high voice at the time. And my sister, who was younger than me even, uh, she could not hear harmony yet, so she always sang the melody. I only heard the high harmony, so I always sang the high harmony, and my mom sang the low part. So I sang for years with my mom, my baby sister, and I sang all the highest parts. Uh, all head voice, all the time. Uh, I'd give you a little taste right now, but I can't do that anymore. So I'm sorry. But we did that for years, and then we moved to a new city. I entered middle school, and thankfully, that phase of life seemed to be over. And then my mom asked, hey, I want to get the band back together. I want us to sing in church. And I was very against this. Oh, so opposed to the idea. I'm in seventh grade, but I'm the soprano in this particular group. But my, parent, my family worked on me. Do it for the church, Brandon. Do it for your mom, Brandon. Do it for Jesus, Brandon. Don't you want to be a blessing to others, Brandon? And so, uh, like a good Christian man, I responded to the call to sing soprano in front of hundreds of people in middle school. Maybe the Lord appreciated it. For me, it was a disaster. Uh, now, I sang many impossibly feminine notes with crystal clarity. But after the service, the girl I'd had a crush on for the first six months of middle school came up to make comment. And she did not say, Brandon, I cannot believe that you can sing that good. She didn't say, Brandon, I can't believe you can sing in such a Christ-exalting way. No. She said, and, and with concern on her face, she said, Brandon, I can't believe you can sing that high. <laughs> and that, that was it. I didn't know how to respond, and she left. That was the whole conversation, and I don't think my mom and my sister and I ever sang in public again. It was a terrible experience for me. Here's my point. For years, I was the soprano in a trio. 
It was awkward. Was that the calling of God? Where do we find the calling of God? Do we have to wait for our moms to tell us? And what is the calling of God supposed to feel like? Is it always awful and embarrassing and ensuring that you never get a girlfriend? And I I could give you a lot of these experiences that bring these questions, and you could give me these experiences that bring these questions. I am certain that I'm not the only one in the room that has thought these thoughts because anyone that is a follower of Jesus has asked the question, what does God want me to do? Am I supposed to be the southern gospel soprano or the South American missionary or something else? And what should it feel like? Is it supposed to be a pleasure or is it a punishment? Is it judgment or is it joy? And we we have to recognize the reality that we can't even consider the concept of calling outside of the context of our brokenness, broken people and broken experiences. And that means that some people never find calling because they don't expect it to look like what it actually looks like and they don't expect to find it where it can actually be found. testimony of the Bible is that we were created for good works in Christ Jesus that were prepared for us beforehand. It's an undeniable treasure. We can expect the call of Jesus to be a joy. So we're going to look at one of the testimonies from God's word today. For a few minutes, we're going to walk through the calling of Peter that we see in John chapter 21, and as we look at that calling, I want you to see three things that can help us know how to look in the right direction and with the right expectation for the calling of God. This, the testimony of Peter, the example of Peter can help us look in the right place and with the right hope when we consider our calling, okay? So I'm going to read this passage to you, starting with their breakfast meeting on the beach, is what's happening here. Read it through, then we're going to pause and pray in this direction together. So let's read this, starting in verse 15, John chapter 21. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Let's pause together, pray that Peter's example will help us today toward the joy of our own calling. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for what you did in Peter's life. Thank you for the calling that you have on this church, the way you've used it in my life and the way that you use it in the life of others. And I pray that you would use this time today to convince us of the joy of your calling and help us to look in the right place for what you have made us to experience. We pray in the name of Jesus. All right, so we're going to walk back through this passage. 
through these verses. We're going to see three things to help us look for the call of God in the right place and with the right hope. Here's the first thing that I want you to see. Point number one. Peter was called to something bigger than his life. He was called to something bigger than his own life. Look back at the words that Jesus uses in his calling. He says, feed my lambs. He says, tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. And then he says to him, follow me. So get this first. Jesus is calling Peter to something that's outside of himself. He's he's calling Peter to something that is not focused on himself. He's calling Peter to a, a story that is bigger than his personal story. And if you know, if you remember much about Peter's story, you know that when Jesus said, feed my sheep and shepherd my lambs, he is calling Peter to be a part of leadership in the work of his rescue mission through the church in the world. He is calling Peter, essentially, to give his life to the mission of God in an others-focused way. That's what's happening here. And I want you to see this again in light of Peter's original calling. Because remember, John 21 is not the first time Jesus said to Peter, follow me, right? Back in Matthew 4, verses 18 through 20, is like the original Peter calling, but they sound a lot the same. But let's read this together. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, that's Jesus, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, watch, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And what'd they do? Right, immediately, immediately they left their nets and followed. So, so check it out. So John 21, what we read first, that was right before Jesus ascended back into heaven and he called Peter to feed his lambs and tend his sheep. But years earlier, when he first met Peter, the language was a little different, but the focus was essentially the same in that he said to Peter, I want you to stop what you're doing. I want you to follow me and I want you to make your life about my work. That's what he said. And immediately, Peter dropped his nets. That makes me want to ask the question, why did Peter say yes? Why did Peter drop his nets? I think I can answer that question with a PlayStation commercial. Give me a chance. Follow me on this. So, Peter's response to the call of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 is fundamentally a beautiful thing. The video I'm about to show you, I think, is a tragedy. But watch. They're going to come from the same place. Matthew's calling and this video I'm about to show you are both coming from the same place, which is the desire to discover calling. Watch this.
Greatness awaits. PlayStation's been running these ads for years. My least favorite commercials on television, and it's not even close. And here's why. So what I do for a living is I lead a marketing team for a Christian publishing house. I know how they got to this point. I know how this commercial got here. Here's what it was. A group of creatives sat in a room and they asked this question. We ask it every day. What is the, what is the felt or unfelt need that we can speak to in this commercial? And what they came up with is the desire to be a part of something great. Greatness awaits in a video game. They said, we want to connect to people's hearts, the depths of their hearts. And this guy, he can change the world. He can save the world with a controller in his hands. What's the problem? It's not real. It's not real. It is a tragedy. Greatness does not await in PlayStation. Sorry, I've been, I've been th- uh, harboring feelings for these commercials for years. I finally get to talk about it. <laughs> Listen, I, I don't know who first coined this phrase, but this is an example of a shadow calling. This commercial, it hints at a true calling. But it's not real. But for us, often, it's enough. I'll give you another example. Video games are largely for men. What if you have a fashion calling? TJ Maxx is for you. Calling all fat Maxinistas. If you have been called to fashion greatness, but you are wise enough to be frugal, you can be a Maxinista. That is a discounted shadow calling. Let me give you mine. This one's mine. So I, I read hours of epic fantasy fiction. I've told you guys this before. I love it. It's a shadow. It's the made-up calling of fictional people. But, guys, I know the names of so many dragons. Why? Why? Because it feels like it connects to my story. It, it's for the same reason that people become Maxinistas and people play video games and Peter dropped his nets. Ecclesiastes 3 says, and God has put eternity in the hearts of men. God has put eternity in the hearts of men. We are painfully aware of the eternal. We are desperate for something greater. We naturally long for a calling outside of ourselves. And I can see, I don't even really have to convince you of that because it is natural and you already resonates within you. But I want to root it in scripture. This was one of the biggest breakthroughs of my life years ago. This is this need to be a part of something significant, to give ourselves to something greater, to be called to something outside of ourselves goes all the way back to the very beginning. And it goes all the way back to the very beginning before sin even entered the world. Watch. Our serving, our calling, our working happened 
before the world was even broken. I'm going to show you, just in case you don't believe me. So this is the very first chapter of the Bible, and this is the very first command that God ever gave his people. The very first command for humanity. This is what it sounds like. It says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then in chapter 2, he says, still no sin. There's still no sin, he says. So the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. This literally changed my life. This is the first original calling that God gave humanity. And I don't know about you, but when I read that, it burns in my heart. It feels like the thing that we are made for. Be fruitful, multiply, work, keep, serve your king. And nobody sins until chapter 3. You get that? The calling to serve God's mission in the world came before sin. It is a pleasure, not a punishment. We were made to give ourselves to something bigger than our lives, but we live in a broken world with shadow callings. So, gamers... Maxinistas, dragon lovers, and everyone else chasing whatever else shadow calling. Eternity is written in your heart. Eternity is written in your heart. And like Peter, we were all designed to respond to the call of God. And so when we discover the calling that our heart longs for, And when it is within the work of God that we were made for, there is soul-level joy. So that's number one. Peter was called to something bigger than himself. Number two. Second thing I want us to see is he was called to something shaped by his brokenness. Shaped by his brokenness. Check this out. Let's start reading again in verse 17. So he said to him, Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And then listen, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And this he said to show by what kind of death. Peter was to glorify God, and after this, he said to him, follow me. And let's focus on verse 17. That sentence, Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? I think this brings up a couple of more questions. Why is Jesus asking Peter if he loves him? And why is he asking three times? He's already called Peter to something bigger than himself. He's already called Peter Peter to something that connects with his original destiny, Why is he asking him about his love? And why three times? Again, if you remember Peter's story, you know that before this conversation in John 21, back in Matthew 26, Peter has already failed in his love of God. 
He has already failed in the calling that he got in Matthew chapter 4. And he has denied Jesus three times. On the night that Jesus was supposed to be crucified or taken to be crucified for the sins of the world, Peter was afraid of being associated with Jesus because he didn't want to die as well. And so when he was asked, are you a follower of Christ? He said three times, I do not know him. He denied, 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 and then ran off so he could hide. So what we see here in John 21, this breakfast conversation, is not just uh, Jesus giving Peter a calling. It is Jesus reshaping Peter's life around his brokenness. In Matthew, watch, in Matthew 4, Jesus said, follow me. And I will make you a fisher of men. Here he says, follow me and shepherd my sheep. And he calls him to this three times. It's like he is saying to Peter's heart, I am going to redeem your denial. Peter, you denied me for men before men. Now you get to go testify of me before men. Peter, you were afraid to be called one of my followers. Peter, now you're going to go make people hungry to follow after me. Peter, you were scared to die as one of my sheep. You are going to shepherd my sheep until it costs you your life, as we see in the text. Peter's calling was shaped by his brokenness, and he walked in the joy of the calling all the way to death. That's quite a calling. See, God is, the, God is the master of redemption. See, all over the Bible, broken people and broken circumstances, God uses them to make wonderful things happen in his kingdom through their lives. There's a verse that's always been special to my wife and I that speaks about this in 2 Corinthians 1. Paul says, listen to this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us, in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we have ourselves, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. A lot of comfort. The point is, God grows comfort out of affliction. The ministry you give is often the ministry you needed. Peter, the scared runner, from Jesus becomes the tender of the sheep. I'm going to give you an example of this from our church. A uh, picture of the guy on the screen right now. Actually, there's two guys on the screen right now. In the back, you'll see Matt Swoboda photo photobombing. This is Chris Freeman. Uh, Chris and I have been friends for four years now. And uh, when we met four years ago, Chris was not very comfortable with the church. He had been hurt at church, but he was trying to come back to church. Uh, He also has Asperger's, which is a type of autism. And the first time we sat down for coffee four years ago, he said, Brandon, uh, one, I don't really understand facial expression. I thought, okay. Two, uh, I'm not going to get most of your jokes. And I'm like, oh, no. How's this ever going to work? And he said, three, I need you to pretty much always tell me exactly what you mean. Okay, let's do this. Listen, 
Can you imagine being a kid with those stipulations? Uh, I don't know what any of you are thinking. I don't know what any of you mean. And I take everything literally. Like, how brutal. So hard to relate. But, you know, Chris has worked hard at social skills. You would probably not even you would probably not even notice that he has Asperger's. He's just dry. But four years ago, he was a frustrated guy who had been wounded in the church and who had spent most of his life not fitting in and hurting. Most of his life. And I remember the first few months of our friendship, we were constantly talking through his desire to have a calling and to have community, and he didn't know what to do about it. And then his brokenness shaped his calling. And two years ago, a guy with Asperger's and church fears started a community group at the bridge. And it's become a famous community group at the bridge because it's so special. Uh, I've heard several staff members in the last couple weeks tell me unsolicited, because we're friends, that he's one of the strongest small group leaders, community group leaders at this church. He's one of the best people I've ever met at helping hurting people. He is a caring machine. He has Asperger's and a really high IQ, so in a lot of ways, he's like an actual machine. But he is a beautiful example of comforting others with the comfort that you have received. He used to fight to fit in, and now he helps other people find family. An autistic man with a painful church background, is one of the most loving community group leaders in our church. Calling can be shaped by brokenness. It can be redeemed. Whether it's your sin or whether it's your circumstances, there is often calling on the other side of freedom. Has God freed you from a life consumed by lust and pornography? Your brokenness can lead to someone else's blessing. Did you lose a parent at a young age and the Lord clung to you? Your affliction can lead to someone else's comfort. Have you failed your kids and fallen on the grace of Jesus? Comfort others with the comfort you have received in your brokenness. So Peter's calling was shaped by his brokenness. That leads us to number three. Peter was called to something bigger than his life. He was called to something shaped by his brokenness. And last, but my favorite, he was called to something, he was called by someone stronger than his brokenness. He was called by someone stronger than his brokenness. And this is the key right here. But you got to track with me. Follow along with this. Watch. In Matthew 4, Jesus calls Peter to fish for men, and Peter says, yes, I will follow you. In Matthew 26, Peter denies Jesus and runs away in failure. Okay? Then in John 21, Jesus calls Peter to shepherd his sheep, but this time... Peter shepherds the church of Jesus until he is killed for doing so. So one more question. What changed 
What changed between Matthew 26 and John 21? What changed between Peter's failure and this breakfast conversation? What changed that made Peter be able to serve from his brokenness rather than just surrender to his brokenness? What happened? The cross happened. There is a cross between Matthew 26 and John 21. There is a cross between Peter's brokenness and his calling that he never left. You see, what's happening here in John 21 with the cross in between, with the sacrifice of Jesus in between, Peter knows he is no longer just talking to the man who called him to something bigger than his life. He is talking to the one who loved him so much he gave his life. He is talking to the one who beat his brokenness. And it changed him. Seeing the love of Jesus changed Peter. He was no longer the brash but scared disciple. He was the broken man with a great Savior. And that is where the joy that carries us through must come from. Please understand this. This wrecked my heart for years before the Lord taught me this. A calling that is bigger than your own life is not enough. It's not enough. You must be called by someone stronger than your brokenness. You know why? Because you're not strong enough. You're not strong enough. I'm not strong enough. We're not brave enough. We will not succeed in the calling that is bigger than our life if we are not called by one who is better than our brokenness. Remembering the love of Jesus is the key to calling. And I want to get finished with an example from this of this that I've seen in my wife's life in the last 12 months. Uh, Josh has already told some of the story of our adoption uh, that we did recently, but what I've seen in my wife the last 12 months fits this example. It's, an, it's insane. It's insane. So Scarlett will tell you that for most of our marriage, she hated the idea of adoption. In fact, 12 months ago, I wasn't even allowed to talk about it anymore. Uh, she was scared of how hard it would be, of how painful it would be. She was scared of what it would do to her life. Um, and then God changed her. There was a convergence of a calling outside of her life that connected to her own broken story that she could say yes to because of Jesus. And I promise you, we don't adopt our new daughter if all three of those things aren't true. So she and my oldest daughter were driving in the car about 12 months ago. And my oldest daughter ever was asking about adoption. She has several friends and family members who have been adopted. We've had this conversation before. So Scarlett's just running back through it again. Sweetie, you know, some little girls and boys don't have mommies and daddies. And sometimes when a family can bring someone into their family, God will give a kid a, a new family. She said that a hundred times. She keeps going. She said, you know, it's just like when we didn't have a family and Jesus gave himself to bring us into his family. 
one moment to the next. <laughs> I wasn't there. She had to pull the car over. Crying and weeping and weirdly rejoicing at this thing she's been afraid of, seen in the light of her brokenness and the power of the cross. Yes, there's a calling bigger than her life. But then, oh, wait, I'm adopted. Jesus rearranged his life to give me a family. And remembering the love of Jesus changed her heart. It changed her heart and helped her to walk into a calling with joy. So, Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? He says to Chris Freeman, do you love me? He says to Scarlett Hiltabidal, do you love me? He says to us, do you love me? But we answer, yes, because you first loved us. We serve because he first served us. We chase our calling because he first chased his calling, and his calling was us. He was called to death and to resurrection. We are called to something great, but we are called by someone greater. We are called by someone stronger than brokenness, stronger than sin, stronger than death. We discover something to give our life to when we find the one who gave his life for us. Responding to his call is a joy. I want to pray for us that, guys, those of you who have a relationship with God and who are walking and calling, look to the caller more than the calling. If you don't have a calling, this is where you look. What's bigger than yourself? What's born out of your brokenness? What is fueled by the joy of Christ. If you have a calling, look to Jesus. That is where the staying joy rests. Okay? I want to pray for us towards that end, and then we're going to worship together. Father, I thank you so much, so much, for how you made us and how you remake us through Jesus. Thank you for designing us for joy and restoring joy through Jesus. We don't deserve it. You are so gracious. And I pray for my brothers and sisters who uh, don't know the joy of following your call and serving your kingdom. God, I pray that you would lead them towards joy in serving Christ soon. That they would hear your voice and that they would know the work that you have prepared for them to do in Christ beforehand. And for those brothers and sisters who uh, are walking in the calling, maybe they look towards Jesus with joy, the author and finisher of our faith. I pray that you would um, help us to encourage one another, help us to walk with one another, help us to make much of you. And we love you. Help us to sing to you now in the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys stand. Let's worship together.